Welcome to Thoughtful Planning, the place where real conversation, expert insight, and a touch of humor meet to turn our end-of-life uncertainties into self-assurance. I'm your co-host, Santiago, a history buff and a big kid at heart. And I'm Honey, your guide through the intricate dance of planning with care and a whole lot of warmth. Every week, we're here to turn those intimidating are-we-ready moments into confident, everything-is-under-control moments. Today's journey is one you won't want to miss. Hi, welcome to Thoughtful Planning. I'm Honey. And I'm Santiago. Today, I was going through some pictures and looking back at one of my first trips to Africa. And when you're in the military and you deploy to a dangerous area, a service member has to go through a document review. It's just one of those things. You remember when we get in that big mm-hmm. hall and go do that? Well, for over 30 years, I've had some version of a will and medical documents in my possession for Honey to have in case she ever needed it. I knew I needed to take care of my family, but I just, I guess I misunderstood the importance of having a will in those documents. So today, our essential question is going to be, what is a will and why do we need one? Well, that's a great question, babe. And we're in luck because today we're thrilled to have Sean McCammon from McCammon Law in Bernie, Texas, with over 20 years of legal experience and focus on wills trusts, and estate planning since 2009. Sean's here to demystify the legal world. He's the expert from that insightful lunch and learn we referenced in episode one. And now he's joining us to dive into the intricacies of wills. In a three-part series starting today, Sean will break down these complex topics. But remember, while we're here to inform, this isn't personal legal advice. For specific guidance, consulting with professionals is always best. Let's get started. I'm still waiting for those leftovers, by the way. Anyway, without further ado, Sean, could you share with us what draws you to working in the area of estate planning? Yeah, and I appreciate you having me on. Happy to be here. I think from my perspective anyways, when I was getting into estate planning, I was kind of coming out of sort of the litigation area of the practice of law. And so, I kind of got to a point where I felt like, you know, it would really be nice if I could help people avoid these issues or situations in the first place, instead of just always dealing with them once they kind of blew up and ended up in the courtroom. And so, that's kind of how I migrated from sort of a a litigation practice to more of a transactional-based practice. And then I guess just personally, kind of for me, you know, I have five kids, family. And so it was a little bit easier and just from kind of a quality of life standpoint, I guess you could say, to manage kind of a transactional practice versus a litigation practice instead of hopping from all of the different court deadlines and depositions and hearings and and all of that. If I have somebody who comes in and they're needing something done really quick because of a medical issue, you know, I can prioritize that. Or, you know, I've got a little more flexibility in my schedule. If I decide, well, I'll draft this tomorrow, I can go to a kid's performance tonight or whatever, you know, it's just a little bit easier for me personally, too. So it's kind of a win-win. And I like being on the side of helping people kind of avoid, like I said, the courtroom battle at the end of the day. So I have more satisfaction from that and uh, have enjoyed kind of being on that transactional side of things. So that's kind of how I got in the estate planning side of things. Cool. Will you tell the audience what a will is and what is the importance of it? Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think too, just kind of big picture perspective, sometimes it's good to take a little step back because I know for me, a lot of other attorneys or people, they get used to throwing around the terminology estate planning. What does that mean? And you know, a lot of people just don't realize that the state, whatever state you're in, there's typically some kind of probate or estate code that lays out what's going to happen to your stuff and where's it going to go and who's going to be in charge. And there's this default probate system in place. And a lot of people don't realize that that's kind of this plan that they already have in place, whether they realize it or not. And so when we're talking about estate planning, you know, we're kind of talking about how do I make sure my wishes get taken care of? How do I make sure who I want is in charge is in charge? How do I make sure who I want to get stuff gets the stuff and when they are supposed to have it? I can kind of control all that if I put my own plan in place, if I write some things down and kind of opt out of the default system that the state provides for me. And so when we're talking about estate planning, I know a lot of people kind of just automatically think, well, that's just for the ultra wealthy or that's just for tax planning. And I don't have to worry about that, you know, because I've just got a house, life insurance, some vehicles and bank accounts. But it's easy in today's society for a house and a life insurance policy and a 401k to be a million bucks, you know, $500,000, whatever. And so it's much better to make sure you have everything documented according to your wishes, as opposed to relying on kind of the state's default rules. And so one of the key documents to doing that oftentimes is your last will and testament, a will, which is really just a document where you get to write down what's going to happen to my stuff, who's going to be in charge and who's going to get what and when are they going to get it. And so getting those kinds of things in writing is what will help preserve your wishes and make sure that your wishes are taken care of instead of, like I said, the court deciding what that's going to look like for you and your family. So I hope that kind of gives you a little overview of kind of how I view it and how a will fits into that. A will is kind of the foundational document or like I think we'll get into later, maybe like a living trust would be a foundational document to making sure that that all works according to how you see fit. Now, in the age of the internet, there's so many different options out there. And we've heard of different ways to document your last will and testament, a holographic will, a video will, a handwritten will, an online will. If someone's on a budget, is there something that you would recommend that they would do to make sure that their interests are taken care of? Well, yeah. And kind of going back to our little disclaimer at the beginning, you know, the thing about wills is that each state has its own laws dictating what's a valid will, how do you witness a will, what does it take in order to properly execute a will. And so that's a state-specific question. So it's important to kind of know what your state might require. Uh, But generally speaking, something that is either in the testator's writing, and testator is just the person who's making the will, And that would kind of be like what you're saying, a holographic will. You know, you're writing down that, you know, this is my last will and testament, and this is what I want to see happening. A holographic will can be admissible and enforceable. Sometimes there's extra hoops you kind of have to jump through to prove that, you know, this is my handwriting. I was of sound mind when I did it, that kind of thing. You can have a holographic will where it's in your handwriting. You can find pre-printed forms, and sometimes you have to fill in the basic info, and those can be admissible. Typically, a lot of times people will go to an attorney or somebody to help them prepare it and and they'll help them sign it and witness it and make sure it's executed properly. But those online forms can be useful for somebody who's on a budget and maybe doesn't 
or can't get to a, a law office to have an attorney, you know, help them prepare it. It's just that you have to make sure you're following those formalities with respect to executing it. And so, like I said, most states probably require at least two witnesses over 14, and they can't be people that are named in the will. They have to be some other third kind of witness, that kind of thing. So, there are some other alternatives to professional help. But like I said, you just kind of have to be careful that that you follow the state-specific requirements. All right. Okay. So, my next question was, are there any risks to getting a will done online? And do you know if there's an official website listing trusted, like a, a trusted online, for trusted online legal services? Yeah. I mean, you know, I have some people that have used LegalZoom or other sites like that before. Mm-hmm. The Texas Bar, actually, for people that are in Texas, you know, just published kind of a, a self-help will mm-hmm. website where you can download a will form that you you kind of fill in and it kind of gives you some instructions for. And so that could be helpful for any Texas-based people. You know, you just have to be careful though when you're going through a lot of those, like let's say, you know, a legal zoom or something of that nature where it's kind of interviewing you, it's asking you questions and you're providing responses. You know, sometimes you just don't realize there can be a lot of different options and, and you might not understand how that affects the, the legality of the document down the road or, you know, if somebody predeceases you, then what happens to their share, you know, and you might not understand exactly how all that's fitting together. So, you just have to be careful with kind of what you're selecting. Make sure you look it all over when you're done. Make sure you feel like it accurately reflects, you know, what your current wishes are. And regardless too of whatever we set up, I always tell people it's good to look at all of this every couple of years just to make sure, you know, whoever you named as executor, whoever you named as your your heirs or beneficiaries, you know, those people are still around, still able to serve and that kind of thing. Yeah. When we looked at us getting our, our will done, we're getting ready to go on a trip. And I remember in the news, there were some celebrities that had actually died without a will. <laughs> and so yeah. in the state of Texas, what happens if you die without a will? You know, on average, how much does it cost in court fees and what information do you need to provide if a loved one dies without a will? Yep. And that kind of goes back to what we were originally talking about, you know, when we were kind of defining estate planning is, you know, if you don't have anything in writing, if you don't have a will in place, then you or really your family is forced back into whatever the intestate succession statutes of your state say, which is to It's kind of just a fancy way of saying, you know, what happens to my stuff when I'm gone if I don't have anything in writing? And so, the state has laid out who it prefers to be in charge of the assets and distributing the assets, who's going to be your administrator or executor, and who will get what based on the family dynamics. You know, is it who are your kids? Were there any adopted kids? You know, were there, is this a blended family? What's community property? What's separate property? So, there's kind of all these rules that overlay sort of that default inheritance statute that each state has. And so, but that's really what's going to take over if you don't have anything in writing is, is the state's rules related to inheritance. And and so, that's the nice thing. I'm making sure you have a will in place because you you opt out of that system and you get something of your own choosing in place. Did I answer that question? Yes. Great. Thank you. As far as I guess, you know, costs and things like that that can be expected if you have to go through the probate process, at least and that varies by state too cuz you know for example i'm licensed in california in california the probate statutes basically say the attorney is entitled to like the first 4% of the first 100,000 and 3% of the next 100 or couple hundred thousand and 
And so there's this sliding scale of what the attorney's entitled to, and then the executor's entitled to that same amount too. And then you've got court filing fees, and you've got appraisal fees, and you've got publication fees, and you might have to post a bond. And so you've got all that stuff that goes into it. Now, Texas, some say, okay, well, Texas is more streamlined. And to a degree, there is a little bit more streamlined probate process, but all of the attorney's fees are just a matter of private agreement. So, I mean, I've seen those, you know, a lot of attorneys might just charge like a flat fee or they might charge by the hour or they might say, yeah, it's 2,500 to get going and then my hourly fee. And then you still have all those other court filing fees, appraisers, bonds, publication fees, all that other stuff. So, you can easily spend thousands, I mean, maybe even 10% of the estate on fees and costs associated with with attorneys and the court system and making your way through that six month to year plus ordeal of probate. But you can help minimize that to some degree by at least making sure that you've got your wishes on paper. So I hope that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea. That kind of made my head hurt, man. (laughs) That was a lot. Thank you for that. So go you did mention kids a while ago, and I just want to make sure I am understanding this one. So what happens if there's no guardian picked for the kids? Can a grandparent, aunt, or uncle easily step in? Do the kids go into foster care until it's decided? No. Yeah, that's one of the things you want to make sure you're including if you have minor children. The will is a good place. That, well, not a good place. It's, it's the place that you want to nominate who the guardian would be for any minor children. Because if you don't do that, then the court's left to do that. And again, the court's kind of got a default preference rule in deciding who that's going to be. Typically, it's going to be some kind of next of kin person that would fill that role. But that might not be the person you would choose, you know, if you were deciding. And so, that's why you want to make sure you have something in writing that says who you'd want to be guardian of your children. And, you know, the court can appoint somebody temporarily until somebody's formally appointed. But Again, I think the idea and the focus should be trying to avoid that altogether and making sure you've got something in writing that dictates who's going to be your guardian in the event that that were to be necessary. And then also, too, a lot of times like when we're doing, I I think we'll talk about it later, but like power of attorneys or things like that, you know, you might also name a guardian and a power of attorney because you might not be gone where your will is applicable. You might just be laid up for a little bit and who's going to take care of kids in that circumstance. And so, it's good to also maybe have somebody named in a power of attorney as well. So I guess the same rules apply for adult children that you might be caring for or your parents or other elderly? Well, if they're adults, they'll be making their own decisions. And so unless you have a legal charge of them still, maybe through some kind of like a guardianship or conservatorship or something like that, you know, once somebody turns 18, they'll be making their own decisions if you were to be incapacitated. But there are, like you're saying, elderly parents, maybe, you know, you could be taking care of them or they could be to kind of a point where you've gone that extra step to get the guardianship or conservatorship. And that would be sort of your legal authority to make decisions on their behalf. Okay. So if you had to share something with the audience that you think everyone should know about a will, what would it be? Like a common mistake that people made, a misconception or whatever you feel is important to share? Yeah. You know, I think the one common thread that I hear, because, you know, I meet with multiple people every day talking about estate planning. And I think the one, I was kind of giving this some thought earlier, the one overarching kind of myth or misconception, I guess you could say, when it comes to wills, when I'm talking to people is when I'm talking about the probate or court involvement, almost always 
one of their first comments is, is I don't have to worry about that because I have a will. And so a lot of people don't realize that with a will, you're really guaranteeing yourself the probate process because what you're doing is saying I've, you know, either it's an even if it's an attorney drafted will or one that you write yourself or whatever, the first thing you have to do is file that with the court and you have to have it proved and the court has to say, yes, this is a valid will. And the executor has to be appointed and get letters from the court saying, I'm the authorized representative of the estate now. And so they have to go through that whole publication process and notifying creditors and filing the petition and hiring the attorneys. And so I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when I have a will, yes, I've opted out of the probate system in that my decisions as far as who's going to be in charge and who's going to get what will rule the day, but they don't realize that it's still going to require some kind of court involvement to make all that happen. And so I think that's one of the misconceptions that I see a lot of times when it comes to some of the estate planning and wills in particular. Okay. Well, do you have any more questions for Sean? No, I don't. Not about this topic, but we have a couple more topics coming up. Yeah. All right. So, Sean, thank you so much for being our guest today. This has been very informative. Will you share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, probably the easiest way is just through our website. It's texas-estateplanning.com, just all spelled out. You can find, we have a blog that updates with articles and stuff on estate planning that you could subscribe to or you could check out. An easy way to reach out to us, you know, it'll have our phone number, email address, all that kind of thing. So it's texas-estateplanning.com. One more question. You mentioned earlier California. So do you also do virtual assistance for people in California? Yeah, I do. I still do serve California and have clients that I do mostly trust planning for. It makes it a little bit more worthwhile if I'm dealing with uh, trust clients, both from their perspective and mine. Sometimes it's a little bit easier. You know, like I said, you know, wills are specific to the state. And so sometimes you still have to get wet signatures and things like that for wills. And sometimes you can do things differently with a trust or whatever. But I still do some a fair amount of trust planning for clients in California and can do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know, we kind of know somebody that lives in California. He's very close to us. <laughs> yeah, our, our baby girl <laughs> lives out there. So. so circling back, one of the things that you had told us early is plan while you still can in your clear of mind. And I know that's something that you know, we kept discussing that and talking to different people as we've gone through this journey. Even yesterday, we were at a funeral home talking about planning. And that's the same thing he said. And I think that's a common thread throughout of all this. So I really appreciate you and everything you've done for us personally. And I just want to go back to that essential question for our listeners. What is a will and why do you need one? It's something you have to think about and something you have to execute because over I think it was 48% of Americans don't have a will. So let's take care of that and get this basic need done. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm not, I'm going to get off my soapbox. One thing actually before, before oh, I yeah. end this, let me just say, look into your, if you have a job, wherever you work during the day or your day job, maybe ask your HR department if they offer a benefit for wills. That's something we just went through benefit enrollment where I work, and uh, that is one of the benefits they offer. So if you do not have a will yet, maybe you're, you don't have a budget quite yet to do one, maybe look into 
contacting your HR to see if they could help you or if they have, have a benefit for that. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. I've been contracted with some benefit providers before where I provided some discounted services like that through those providers. And so that's a good resource you should check out if you're employed and and you've got some other benefits. That might be one that the company offers. And it's not necessarily going to always be free legal advice, but it may be at a discounted rate or they may have some packages that are like put together that already include a will and power of attorney and they're discounted. And that is a good place to start. Cool. Thank you. All right. So until next time. Remember, every chapter you write today shapes your legacy tomorrow. Thank you for joining us at Thoughtful Planning. And just like the vibrant hues of a setting sun, we're wrapping up another episode of Thoughtful Planning. Every shared story and insight is a step closer to turning uncertainty into celebrations of preparedness. Absolutely. And to our listeners, remember that every surprise that comes our way is an opportunity to grow, adapt, and learn. Stay tuned for more stories, expert insight, and of course, a touch of wit in our next episode. We're not just co-hosts, we're fellow travelers on this journey. For more information on additional resources, which will help you take the next step in planning, look for the link in the show notes for our membership. Join us next time for another episode of Thoughtful Planning. Until then, keep living, laughing, and loving every moment.